0: Good morning, everybody. And let me welcome you to the Digital Cathedral today. And let me, first of all, before we've got a lot to cover today, but first of all, let me just wish you a happy Resurrection morning. I think of all, the, all of the Sundays of the year, this has gotta be my favorite one. I love Resurrection morning. Christmas is good, but um, this is the morning that Peter said in 1 Peter 1.3, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has begotten us again to a lively hope through the resurrection of Jesus. That word begotten is the, is the Greek word ananageo, it means to be born again. Let me, let me read it for you exactly like Peter said it. First Peter 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, ha, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us or has birthed us from death to life through the resurrection of Jesus. So 2,000 years ago, when Jesus came out of the tomb, you came out with him. Aren't you glad for that this morning? This is, this is a morning that we need to rejoice. This is a morning that we need uh, to have more excitement and more hope. Even, even with everything that's going on in our world today, this morning is where we really pin the hope that we have of the new life that we have in Christ. It wasn't because of anything that I prayed or believed or hoped for or confessed. It was because of the resurrection, Peter said, that birthed me from death to life. When Jesus walked out of the grave, I walked out with him. What a good morning it is. Well, as you can see, I'm not in the normal place that I am to do the digital cathedral. For those of you that are with me on Wednesday night, you recognize that I'm actually in my office at home. Uh, my wall of books are over here that you can't see, but I have a whole wall of books over there. Got my uh, copy machine over there. Uh, the office is set up. I've got another wall of books over here. So this is where I get all of my work done. And because of what's going on, uh, I'm working at home right now. They're, we're not supposed to, in Houston, we're not supposed to be leaving our houses. Uh, we're on pretty much a lockdown. Every business is closed except for essential businesses as it probably is in your area. And I know you're watching this on Resurrection Morning. I actually am recording it on Saturday night, March the 28th. I usually work a couple of weeks ahead on the Digital Cathedral on the Sunday morning so that we can get them edited and we can get them up on YouTube and ready to roll, get them uploaded and everything that needs to be done uh, to get them to go. So we're usually working a couple weeks ahead. So right now I'm working at home. It uh, may be for a few more weeks. We don't know. Uh, that's one thing. The second thing is the facility that I was using to do the, the, uh, the recordings in, the lease was up and they have left that building. So they may not relocate into another building until about the, the month of June. So it may be June before we're kind of back on a normal schedule and I hope that's that's okay with you. I. I miss a little bit being behind a podium, I've got a little bit more freedom, a little bit, it's a little bit different vibe than being here in my office. There's some advantages to that, but there's also some advantages to this. I feel much more intimately connected with you when I'm just sitting here talking to you rather than, you know, kind of teaching, preaching, that kind of thing. Please feel free to make comments this morning. If you just scroll down. this is. Uh, YouTube Prime, so you're able to make all the comments that you want to make uh, as we go through the teaching this morning. And actually, I don't know a better morning that we could begin on the Book of Ephesians than on Resurrection Morning. This is a book that is so uh, filled with life. This this is uh, this 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 book is a book of, of of strong doctrine. So as we begin our study of Ephesians, you need to understand the condition of the of the believers in Ephesus that Paul was writing to. Now remember, we've come through the book of Galatians. We finished that up last week. So we're coming in coming through the book of Galatians, it was obvious that the Galatian Christians were in this battle of law and grace. And I told you that that was a book uh, that if you ever needed to teach or direct somebody that's battling uh, back and forth between law and grace, Galatians is your book. The Ephesians, on the other hand, were believers that were living way below their standard, way below the inheritance that they had. They, they had no clue as to their identity as divinity. They had no idea of everything that they had as a result of the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus. And they, are, they were like most of the church still is today. And I'm going to draw back on Galatians when we talked about levels of sonship. One of the levels that we talked about was a child heir, and that's exactly where the Ephesians were. A child heir, like much of the church today, has tremendous potential, right? A child heir one day should own the whole business, has tremendous potential, but they, they actually possess nothing. They're not manifesting anything. It's kind of like a lot of the church today we have, that has a lot of head knowledge, can tell you everything that Jesus died to give, can, can define grace, knows what unconditional love looks like, how we ought to walk as believers, but really have not matured into it really becoming part of their life. And that's a little bit the way that the church at Ephesus was. So Paul very meticulously and methodically launches them into this trajectory of revelation for six chapters that absolutely, I'm sure it was blowing their minds, things they had never heard before. In fact, what Paul was teaching the church at Ephesus is so profound, so, so compelling, that 2,000 years later, uh, we're still trying to embrace everything that Paul laid out in those six chapters. I think you, I think, I think you could spend your whole life in the book of Ephesians, just those six chapters, I'm not sure how many pages it really encompasses, probably no more than seven or eight pages, six, seven, eight pages, six chapters. You could spend an entire life on what Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus and not really ever get to the bottom of the revelation that he lays out for the church. So when we look at this book, as we get into it, it's divided really into two parts chapters one through three, Paul tells them who they are. He teaches them who they are, what they possess, uh, what their inheritance is, what their position is. Then in chapters four, five, and six, he says, now that you know who you are, you need to live like it. So the first three chapters is about who they are, and the last three chapters details, okay, now it's time to walk it out, it's time to live it. As we come through this book, you're gonna see how relevant it is to the Western church today. So what I wanna do this morning is to just walk through these first 10 verses of chapter one here at the Digital Cathedral, and we're gonna blow out of the water maybe some of what we've learned. If you're new to the Digital Cathedral, some of this is gonna be put you on tilt. So just, just explore the possibilities with me this morning. Some of you that have been with me for a while uh, you may know some of this from Ephesians, but I want, it, I want this book to really take root. That's what I want it to do. I want this book of Ephesians, as we come through it, to take root. I hope Galatians did, that you're able to extinguish any residues of law in your life. Uh, we walked through some teachings about how to know if religion is still gripping you. Uh, we walked through how to make a, a good godly decision that's free of law, how to make a decision in the spirit, how to walk in spirit. So we're gonna we're gonna look at verses three to ten, and it may may tip over a couple sacred cows, a couple of things that you've maybe held on to or hadn't considered before. So that's all good. So let me just read. I think what I'll, I'll do is I want to read verses three to ten. Verses one and two I won't bother to read because it's it's basically just a greeting that Paul gives uh, to the church at Ephesus. He he has kind of his his patent greeting that he gives to all the churches. You know, he says grace and peace to you and and greetings to all the saints. Then he picks it up in verse three. So let me read down verses three to 10. I'm gonna read out of the New King James. And then we're gonna go through it verse by verse. And it'll take me the whole time this morning just to go through these verses. So, verse three says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Just as he chose us, verse four says, in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, verse five, having predestined us to adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to himself according, listen, according to the good pleasure of his will, verse six, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he he made us accepted in the beloved. Verse seven, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Verse eight, which he made abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Verse nine, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. I just have to say right here, that as I read through these verses, every time I read through these verses, it sticks out to me and I may say it a time or two again, it just sticks out to me how all of this is based on everything that he's done and there's <laughs> there's no asterisk of you must do or this is your part or this is, this is what you had to bring to the table in order to have this. These verses three to 10 in totality is what has been I love the term, direct deposited into your life because of the grace of God. Verse nine says, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Now here's what it is, verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and are on earth in him and I don't want to lose my place here because I'm gonna walk through these verse by verse all right so Paul just methodically walks walks through these verses 3 to 10 and he begins to say and I just as I read it probably there were things that stuck out to you where Paul said this is what you have this was God's good pleasure this was worked according to the purpose of his will those things are blatantly, divinely uh, endowed or given to us. Now notice in verse three, Now, let me, walk, I'm just gonna walk through this verse by verse for the next maybe 30 minutes, okay? For the next 30 minutes. He says in verse three of chapter one, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has, who has, who has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now I made a little emphasis on that because I wanted you to notice that was past tense. He didn't say blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who would someday in a sweet by and by bless us with all spiritual blessings. He didn't say blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who when we accept Jesus into our heart as our personal Lord and Savior will then begin to bless us with every spiritual blessing. He makes the blatant, He makes the blatant comment and statement that this is a done deal. That God has already blessed us, past tense, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, the heavenly places are not off yonder someplace. The heavenly place is within you. Um, We could call it the garden that is within you. We could call it the kingdom that is within you. He, He says that he has already blessed you Inside, in this kingdom, in the heavenly place, in the garden that is within you, you, you contain within you every, every blessing. Every blessing. There's nothing outside of every blessing. When he says spiritual blessing, that encompasses, and I'm gonna read it from a different book in just a minute, it covers the field. In, the, he, he's done it in the heavenly, in, within you. Everything that you need is within, it needs to be drawn without. Now this destroys, and I hope this kicks over a sacred cow or two, if you're still holding on to it. This destroys the, I'm Jimmy Jimmy, God please gimme give gimme. Give you know this, this prayer that we have all the time of God you have to help me, God you need to give me, God I'm asking you to help me, God I'm asking you to bless me, God if you would just pour out to me. We are to believe and acknowledge that we are in total possession right now of everything that we need. There's nothing you're lacking. Peter said it a little more strongly, and I'm gonna hold my place there because we're gonna come back. If you're following along in your Bible, you know, I, it really is good to follow along in the Bible. I know that I'm old school about this. I really am a Bible guy. I I, I let you know the truth about the Bible that I don't think that it's uh, inerrant, and I've, I've talked about it before, but I think there's uh, some tr- there's tremendous truth here, and I don't think, I'm not one of the guys that's, that thinks we should just kick it to the curb and abandon it. There's tremendous truth here. Look what Peter says, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. He says somewhat the same that Paul did, except he expands on it just a little. Watch what he says. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter one. I know this like the back of my hand. Why I said first, I don't know. 2 Peter chapter one, verse two. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ as his divine power, right? So he brings it right back like Paul did. This is this is what God does. According to his divine power, he has given us, All right. according to his divine power, he has given to us Everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called you by his glory By which has been given to us exceeding great and precious promises That through these you might be a partaker of the divine nature Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So now back to Ephesians if you think spiritual blessing is only you know this nebulous Maybe he's gonna give me joy or peace, that's a spiritual blessing. Peter expands on it, and he says that he has given to us everything that pertains to life and to godliness. So Peter affirms what Paul is saying. Peter affirms this thing that we don't have to have this beggarly lifestyle. In fact, if, that's, if that is your lifestyle, if that's your prayer style, let me put it that way, if that is your prayer style, to always be begging God, pleading for God to do that you feel you're lacking, you don't have, that's exactly the life that you'll live. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Can you see in your imagination what you need in your possession? I don't have time this morning to get into it, but I'm gonna, if you follow me again, I've talked about imagination, your imagination is, is kind of the connector between the spirit and the natural. Right? Your imagination, if it is spirit directed, will begin to envision those things that you have possession of that are either needs of life or needs of godliness, Peter said. Paul said every spiritual blessing. So you'll, you'll begin to see it, you'll begin to visualize it in your imagination. When you meditate, and you have needs, look, you need to begin to see that met already in your imagination. You need to see yourself fully in possession of it. And let me say this, and I'm taking too much time on this, but once you firmly fix it in your imagination, then define the picture in your imagination. Take some time and get it exactly focused as it should be, then don't let that picture go regardless of what circumstances come. Regardless of the way things break around you, if you're you're looking to begin a business and you know what kind of business it is, then you need to imagine that business and begin to see yourself in that business operating it successfully. You need to see the store that you're in or the office that you will occupy, the surroundings. Make it as complete as you can. And that's in your, your conscious mind you do that. Your subconscious feeds from the conscious mind. Once something comes into your subconscious mind, it begins to work to manifest what has been fed into it. Subconscious has no mind of its own. Consciousness does. You can you can program the conscious mind the way that you want it to be. And what comes into conscious mind drops into subconscious. What comes into subconscious is what will begin to manifest in your life if you hold that thing steady. Most of us stop. We, we, don't, we don't hold steady as long as we should. And when opposition comes or contrary circumstances, we totally blow it out of the water. We give up on it and we, we walk away feeling uh, dejected, defeated, God didn't answer my prayer. No, 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 no. He has given to you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Now we need to begin to produce out of the inside of us, out of our subconscious, out of the spirit, out of the heavenly realm, out of the garden, out of the kingdom, however you wanna term it. I'm not hung up on terms. I'm I'm not in church anymore. Well, I gotta be hung up on terms. What What I am hung up on is results. Manifestations. You know what I you know what I you know what I put in my imagination? I I see in my imagination a wave of manifested sons of God. That's what I see. And I see me manifesting more as a son of God than I ever have. And I see in my imagination me teaching other people how to produce it. That's what I've given my life to. The the, the years that I have left, I have given myself to one thing. The good news, the gospel, grace, finished work, unconditional love, mercy endures forever, which should produce a manifestation of the sons of God. I want one thing in your life. Look me right in the eye. I'm just looking at you this morning, it's just you and me. I wanna bring you to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's all I want. And for me to get you there, I gotta be there first. I can't take you someplace I haven't been. So I'm, I'm imagining it. And then when you imagine it, begin to use the words of your mouth to confirm it. See, there's, there's creative power in the words of your mouth. Let, let your mouth speak what comes out of your subconscious. Form the picture in your consciousness. Let your subconscious begin to feed off of that and what is inside of you, what you really have firm hold of, begin to confirm it with the words of your mouth and then put some action to it. It might not be a lot of action, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not teaching you to manifest near to the level that I see in my imagination, in my consciousness, but my subconscious now is feeding it and I'm starting to manifest things I've never manifested before and I know I'm, I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning how this is not, I'm learning how Jesus did it. I'm learning how Jesus did it. So right out of the chute, this third verse, I love it. Right out of the chute, he eliminates all the doubts that we should ever have about God's grace and favor. Immediately, first thing he tells these Ephesian Christians that are living way below their position, he says, guys, the first thing I want you to know is that the Father has blessed you with everything, everything. Then he goes on in verse 4. Now remember, he's he's teaching them who they are. So I want you to drink this in deep this morning. He's teaching them who they are. And in verse 4, it says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, all right? So he's, he's telling them, look, I want you to be secure. He's saying your position has been secured and you should never be in doubt. Your position was secured before the foundation of the world, Paul says. So that should, we should never, it's not, the, it's not the luck of the draw of Calvinism. Paul was not a Calvinist. It wasn't the luck of the draw of the Calvinists that says, you know, some, some were chosen in him and some were not chosen in him. It's, it's not uh, by your choice of the Armenian. The Armenian would say, yeah, that verse is true. If you make Jesus Lord, if you choose him, then yeah, he chose you. And in his foreknowledge, he knew who that would be. So, you know, we, we try to manipulate this around a theology. Paul doesn't manipulate it around anything because Paul, knew nothing of Calvinism. Paul knew nothing of Armenianism. He didn't know anything of universalism. All he knew was truth. All he knew was the gospel, the good news. And so he tells him in that fourth verse, just as he chose us in himself before the foundation of the world. So he set in his will that the way he would see you would be the way that he would see Jesus. Do Do you see that in that verse? He, he placed you, I'm going to get you up here where you can see, it. he placed you in Christ. So the way that he sees Christ is the way that he sees you. He has to see you through Christ, right? Not, not that you're, you're repulsive or you're bad, so he's got to see you through Jesus to, to accept you. No, he's, he's trying to give you a right identification. He's trying to give these Ephesians a proper sense of who they are by saying he chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. We were crucified with Christ, co-resurrected with Christ, co-crucified, co-resurrected. That's what we're celebrating today on on resurrection morning. That's why it should be so joyous. The church hasn't had near the joy about resurrection morning as they should have because they thought Jesus resurrected for us. Now, he resurrected as us. We were in him when we resurrected. I, 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 I like the way that Paul says this a little later in Colossians and we'll get over to this the last quarter of the year. But in Colossians chapter three, verse one, it says, if you were raised with Christ, and we were, give me a good amen there, if you know that you were raised with Christ this morning. He said, if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, right? Get your your consciousness fixed on, not things that are out yonder, that's not what he means by above. He means things that have a high spiritual value. Set your mind on, don't put your mind on low things, low vibrational, put your mind on like love. Love is the highest vibration in the universe. That's what you wanna set your mind on. And he says in verse three, for you died, right? You died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So Paul is, is telling them, guys look, we need to keep our thoughts engaged on throne room realities. That's where we need to fix our mind. We need we need to 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 come into this unmovable fixed position knowing that we're in in Christ. And when you do, you know what? You come to understand that anything Adam ever did did not affect the sovereign plan of God. Anything that Adam ever did did not uh jostle your position, pull you out of place where God designed you to be. We're, we're, we're looking on the things that Paul is telling these Ephesian Christians that are living below who they are. He's beginning to feed into them some, some powerful truth. And we're, we're 2,000 years later, and we're still drinking that truth in, that we're blessed with every blessing, that we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Most of us never heard that. Let's just tip that cow over. If you, if you think you were only accepted after you accepted him, then you're denying what Paul wrote. You're denying the gospel. That's an antichrist position. Can I tell you that? I know that's that's strong, but it really is. Now let me let's read on with verses five and six because he continues all the way through verse 10. And I want to get through verse 10 this morning, if I possibly can. So verse 3 blessed with all blessings. Verse four, chosen in Christ. And if that's not enough, then in verse five, he says that he has predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, and I love this part of it, because it's all him, according to the good pleasure of his will. Verse six, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So in verse, in verse five and six, he again secures their position. Not only does he say in verse four that he put us in Christ before the foundation of the world, but he says in verse five, if I can paraphrase it, he says, I have pre-wired you. I have pre-wired you to be a son. I I did it myself. He said, I did it myself. I I didn't ask your permission. I didn't ask for your decision. I just predestined you to be adopted as a son according to the pleasure of my goodwill. That's why I did it. So he says, not only did I place you in the son, but I wired you to be a son. He's, he's teaching them. Can you, can you feel the security in that? Can you feel can you feel uh, uh, elevated this morning as he begins to just unwind the position that we actually have? The, the only choice that we have really is to live in the provision that has been given to us or to live by our own wits. And many of us are still like the Ephesian Christians. We've been living by our own wits and not taking any advantage of this deposit that was placed into our life. We we, we haven't learned to tap into this inside out living, right? We're still living from the outside in. We're still living uh, a reactionary life to to the circumstances that happen around us. When circumstances happen, then we react to it based on what seems like a wise, good decision. We don't, we, we've got to learn to live from the spirit inside to the outside. All spirit living is in to out. Soulish living is outside to in. When you live by soul, you live by uh, feelings, you live by emotions, you live by strength of will. And, and all that comes from out. Fear comes from without. Uh, insecurity comes from without, see all those things come from without that's not that's not the life that we're designed to live we're designed to live the life that comes from love love comes from within right it joy all the fruit of the spirit is developed within and it flows out from us so we're we're, we're developing this life as sons of god to live exactly opposite of how we were programmed for all of our life to live in fact in fact to be honest with you i I, I, I've never really learned for years how to tap into that into that lifestyle that should have preeminence. The inside life ought to have preeminence. So let, let me challenge you this week on something. Can I just flat out challenge you? And we'll talk a little bit more about this Wednesday night. Let me challenge you to do something. I want you to practice, just practice, living in obedience to that inside voice. Try it. Just, what you sense is going on inside practice trusting it practice resting in it I mean after all in verse 3 he said he's already blessed you with every spiritual blessing in verse uh, 4 he said that he's already placed you in Christ Jesus in verse 5 he says I've already wired you to be a son and in verse 6 he says God pours all of that into you because He wants to, simply because he wants to. So let's practice that life. Somebody said practice makes perfect, right? So don't be be afraid. If you get off course, he'll put you back on course. I'll, I'll, I'll confess something to you. There's never been a time in my life that I have diligently tried to follow this voice inside, and and I haven't—I haven't always hit it. I'll, I'll, I'll confess to you. Been times I've missed it, but every time I miss it, He's put me back on course. The the son and every subsequent son should live by what the father says inside. It's an inner knowing. You remember what Paul said over in Romans chapter eight? Let's let me let's go over and read that. Romans chapter eight in verse fourteen. Because I know I'm talking to people that are beginning to really come out and are beginning to show their manifestation as sons of God. And he says in Romans eight fourteen. and I know you've heard this a gazillion times, but hear, hear this like you've never heard it. For as many as are led, that word led is the operative word, as many as are led by the spirit, not driven, led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, which drives you, doesn't lead you, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. All right, so he said that sons are led by the Spirit of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. Now back to that teaching we did on sonship. The word son there is the word wios. You remember that that word? That means a mature son. A son that has come into maturity is one that is led by the Spirit. we asses are led. Your, your, your flesh and your soul always drives you. There's this, there's this driving compulsion uh, that comes from flesh. The spirit draws you. It, it leads you. It gets, it gets out in front of you and brings you the same way that it's going. The, the Bible says in that 16th verse of Romans chapter eight, It says that the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we're the sons of God. In other words, the spirit pulls up alongside of us. The the spirit works with us, it partners with us, it yokes with us, it it joins us and moves us forward, leading us as it goes. The The warfare is always following spirit over soul. That's the only warfare you're ever really going to have in your life is does this lead you or does this lead you, right? Does this lead you or does this lead you? You learned all your life to be led by this. Now you're coming into being a we, us, a manifested son of God, and we're going to practice living out of here, right? So I'm challenging you this week, before you do anything, check here. Don't check here, check here, and follow it. And l- l- let me read it. This is going to war with you because this this does not want to give up dominance. Your mind is your mind is used to being in control. It does not want to it doesn't want to let go of control. The mind the mind is highly developed. We've highly developed our minds and our wills. So the spirit has got to be nurtured. It's you know you got you got to feed it a little bit. You have to trust it a little bit. You have to begin to work with it. And if you follow the spirit and you miss it, you make a mistake. You're gonna find that the Spirit is like a GPS in your car. You ever you ever follow a GPS in your car and you miss a turn, the GPS will take you down, either reroute you or it will take you and say, uh, in a hundred feet, make a U-turn. It'll U-turn you back and get you back on the right path. The Holy Spirit is a great GPS. He really is. He will guide you to the destination. You you cannot. Let me let me just give you some confidence. You cannot make a mistake. That the Spirit can't correct on the fly as you live, you you cannot do it. He will he will correct it if you're if you're endeavoring. Now if you're coming up here, being led out of here, and I have so many times, I've made up my own plans what I thought were right, and then I've spent hours in the prayer room asking God to bless it. Am I the only one that ever done that? Make up my own ways, you know, and then ask God to bless it. I, I didn't realize, Proverbs sixteen nine says that man makes choices, but God directs his steps, right? So ultimately, God's gonna get me where I need to go. I'm, I'm either gonna come a hard way or an easy way, and this, this takes us the easy way. I, I know from experience that people's biggest fear in, in listening to the Spirit or trying to follow a Spirit-led life is the fear of missing it. Don't, don't be afraid of missing it. I'm, I'm absolutely encouraging you today don't be afraid to miss it Paul Paul is reassuring the Ephesians and I'm I'm reassuring you that there's nothing to fear in trusting the spirit that is within you right if if you're if you're fearing it then I want to bring you over to 1st John chapter 4 1st John chapter 4 look what look what John says 1st John chapter 4 verse 16 he said, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us, that God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. The only way we're gonna ever walk as he is in this world is to be led by spirit. Jesus was spirit led son. Jesus was we us. When, when the sonship, when Jesus is referred to as son New Testament, it's always weos, except when he was at the temple, I think it was Teknon, teenager, he was about 12 years old. They didn't, call, the child, they didn't call him a weos. they called him a Teknon, that's where he was in his development. He was still growing in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. But when Jesus began to walk out after his baptism, he was a weas. And so a weos is led by the spirit. And if we have a problem, it says, there is no fear in love. Now let me come back to verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. The day of judgment is not when you stand before God, right? That's not when he's gonna show a big video of your life. The day of judgment could well be just the discerning of which way to go, that you should have boldness in it. When that day if it comes that you are to judge, that you need to be bold because Love is the thing that is inspiring you. And he affirms that in verse 18 because he says there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. How often we've tormented ourselves because we feel maybe inside something, but our head says something and we follow our head and we, you know, and it kind of bothers us. We look back and say, I shouldn't have done that. I wish I I would have followed that gut feeling, that inclination. I wish I would have gone with that. All right, Learn to go with that. Call it a gut feeling if you want. You'll perfect it. You'll you'll get to know it. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. He doesn't speak in a mystery to us so that we can't understand it. He speaks so we can. So if we have any problem, it's it's a love issue. It really is a love issue. I will say this. This is very important. Listen to me. The more time that you walk and talk with the Father, the more time that you, if you're driving your truck, you're driving your car, you know, just talk to him. Turn the radio off. Turn the country music off. Turn the 60s on six off, or the 50s on five in Sirius Radio. Just talk to him. Say, Father, you know what, I'm working on some things. I need, I need to know what you think about it. The more time you, you spend with him like that, I'm gonna tell you something, the love dial will go up and the fear dial over here will go down, right? The more time you spend with him, the more e- easily it is to detect that voice that is within. All right, let's come back. Now I wanna I want to finish up in Ephesians uh, chapter one. I'm gonna re- read down set, verses seven through 10. Now listen very closely. Let me say again, everything that he's talking about in Ephesians one, three through 10, And if you're teaching a Bible study or you're wanting to uh, really hone your theology in about who you are, uh, the book of Ephesians is where you want to go. If you're leading a small group study of people that are living way below their inheritance, maybe maybe you're leading a group of people that, you know, prayed the prayer. That's where they're at in their walk. And you want to begin to lay out for them who they are. This is a great book to do it. It really is. All right, now watch in verse 7. He's going to start some more of what Father did that we had no part in verse 7 in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins watch according to the riches of his grace how do we get the forgiveness of sins how how did how did we come into this thing of redemption through the riches of his grace it was him verse 8 which he made abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence verse 9 having made known to us the mystery of his will. He decided to let us in on this. All right, now he's gonna let us in on the mystery of his will. So he's, he's still elevating. Ephesians, come on come on up higher. God's, God's gonna begin to show you a mystery. And, and I wanna reveal the mystery to you because this is a strong mystery and it's gonna kick over some of your religious thinking. He, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. So God's saying, I'm doing this because I want to, because I love you because uh, I'm bringing you up to where you understand that we're, we're walking together. We're, we're walking as father and son here. You're, you're understanding your identity as deity. I'm bringing you into this circle. Verse 10, here's the mystery. Then in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, when everything is absolutely done, when the sons of God manifest, put every enemy under the feet of Christ, He stands up and gives the kingdom to the Father, right? When the fullness of time has come, that He might gather together in one all things in Christ, everything, all of it. Does that sound all familiar? Like God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself. That was the Father setting the picture in His consciousness. It has dropped down to His subconsciousness. and is now being walked out manifested by you and me. I wanna say more about that in just a minute, all right? The mystery that nobody knew about was that he would gather all things together in one, in Christ, everything, every person, every religion, every, every background, every ethnicity, everything would be gathered together in one, both which are in heaven and which are in earth in him. So he's telling us in verse seven that we've been redeemed. In other words, we were fully represented as Christ and sins were forgiven. all sins were, were absconded according to the wealth of his grace. Now here, you've, this is where you have to let your grace grow because if your grace is not growing, there can be over here this sin consciousness that still wedges. But I'm telling you what, my, my conception of grace is so big to now, now sin, Sin doesn't even, I don't even give it a balance anymore. I don't even worry about other people's sins. I really don't. There is is a problem if you sin. There is within the seed of sin a kickback that you can't really choose. But it doesn't come from God. God's taken, the sin issue with God is done for. You don't have to even worry about it because of the wealth of his grace. You let that wealth of grace continue to grow and get bigger bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it just swallows up every bit of sin consciousness, right? We were fully represented in Christ. And he tells us why he did it. He tells us why he did it. He's communicating to us his wisdom, he says, and his discernment. And he's showing, what he's really showing to us is the value that he's placed on us, right? He's saying, I, I've taken all of this into consideration, and this is how highly I treasure you that I would pull out of myself this, this wealth of grace, this, this being of my own image and likeness. I, 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 I think of you so highly. And what I hear in that is he is setting self-worth. And so Paul's telling the Ephesian Christian, this is, this is the worth that God places on you. Now more importantly, more importantly, the worth that God places on you should be the, the, the worth that you place on yourself right? Part of learning to manifest as a son is being like Jesus. Jesus saw himself through the eyes of the Father, right? So you need to see yourself through the eyes of the Father. And he's laying it out here in his first chapter, exactly how God sees you, exactly how the Father has designed for you to appear before him, blameless, holy, in love, he says. I, I, this is the way you walk before me God says so if that's the way he sees us that that's the way we need to see ourselves so he culminates this 10 verses by saying this this tremendous mystery now I've been I've made known to you this is my unstoppable sovereign plan that at one and when it's all said and done I'm going to gather all things together in one in Christ It, it sounds I'm very familiar to Ephesians two ten. We'll get to that in about three weeks, where where he says that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which He has before ordained. So God has already set in motion every good work. You say, well, I I feel like my life in in you know I haven't really accomplished much. You have played exactly the role that you're supposed to play. You've played exactly the role. You say, Well, I, I've just, I've had this, you know, this, this um, job that I don't think has really been much. You've, you've put your piece in the puzzle. Let me assure you, you've put your piece in the puzzle. All of us have a different piece. Some pieces are more visible, some pieces are more vocal. But you have placed exactly. In fact, in Philippians 2 9 through 11, he tells us how it's all going to end up. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. That's not, a forced, that's not a forced confession. God gets no glory from forced confessions. Love wins in the end. Love never fails. So the manifestation of the sons is the agent through which all of this happens in nine and 10. He's bringing the Ephesian Christians along to say, look, you guys have a part to play in this. I need to bring you to this standard. And I'm saying to you this morning, we have a part to play in this. And the digital cathedral, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to bring us along to this place. The cloud of witnesses had a part to play in it. It all folds in together into this mystery so that at the end of the day, in, in fact, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11, 12, 13, and 14, tells us exactly that Jesus offered this one sacrifice for sins forever, then sat down And it says he sat down until every enemy is placed under his feet. The feet are in the body. That's you and I. Sons are going to take the active role of placing every enemy under the feet of Christ. Now, I want to say this, and I've only got just a couple of minutes left. What's happening today is this, and I want you to be fully aware of it. This is kind of taking you up 30,000 feet to give you a big picture view. God is slowly removing his hand sovereignly off of what's going on. As he as he removes his hand sovereignly off of what's going on, he's empowering the sons more in full authority to take his place in the action that takes that goes on in the earth. In other words, when you and I look around at what's going on, especially this coronavirus thing, it just it's like an arrow to my heart because it shouldn't be here. And so people are saying it's a judgment of God or it's because of sin. No, it's not. It's because as as the manifested sons of God. The Father is showing us, here's a place. Here's a place where you need to stand up and manifest. So this is a time that you and I need, in in a time of panic, in a time of fear, look, you and I need need to be peaceful. We need to be full of rest. We need to be full of confidence. We need to be full of hope. We need to be exactly opposite. You don't need to be hoarding things. You don't need to live in fear. That's fear and panic, that, that's driven, right? We, we are led, joy, peace, love, those things lead you. The panic and fear that's going on in the earth right now, those people are not led, they're driven. And I even pick up some of it on Facebook from people, they're Christians, grace people, driven by this thing. Look, we need to start manifesting and this is the way we manifest. This is the way we begin to set up a judgment against that panic and that fear is with peace and joy and and, and love. Okay, over here, we're demonstrating another kingdom. We have trust and confidence that our God meets every need just as Jesus did, as he is, or he meets every need. You need toilet paper, he's gonna get it to you. You you need uh, money, he's gonna get it to you, right? as we learn to rest in him, spend that time walking, talking, we learn to be led by Him. He'll, he'll, he'll show you which river to go down to and throw the hook in to get the gold coin out of the fish's mouth. This is gonna become our lifestyle. This might be, this might be a little bit strong and bold for, for most of you, but let me just tell you, this, I, I think this is the absolute truth. God has done all he is going to do. He has provided everything that he can provide. He's now resting, waiting for sons. He's now awakening us, that's what he's doing. He's done all he's gonna do. He's given us all he can give us. Now he's awakening us to who we are and what we have. No longer are we to ask for what we already possess. No longer are we to pray to become something we already are. He's he's awakening to us to that. And as he awakens us, he's pulling his hands off and he's entrusting. Jesus said before he left in Matthew 28, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. All, all means all. There's no authority but him. There's one authority, it's Jesus. Then he says, I want you to go therefore. You go therefore. So he's taking his authority and it becomes our authority. Our authority is his authority. it's one authority we're operating under the same authority can can you can you grasp that 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 might be might put you on tilt let that ring in your imagination imagine that fix fix that picture in your mind okay and then he, he ends up by saying in verse 14 of Hebrews 11 that we he has sanctified those that are being perfected so objectively we are perfected right we've read that in ephesians Subjectively, he's awakening us, he's showing us, he's teaching us, he's leading us, he's bringing us to, we're beginning to understand. So what you and I need to integrate into our lives, these first 10 verses, is to fully, fully believe, fully grasp that we're blessed with every spiritual blessing. That means we have everything we'll ever need. We need, we need to be secure in our position, not only placed in Christ, but know that we're wired, to be a son ourselves. You're walking as a son today. The level and degree you walk in sonship is up to you, totally up to you. You can walk in it as deep as you want to. And as you walk deeper, he'll show you more. And we know this morning that we've been fully redeemed, that we, that Jesus is the full expression of what the Father thinks about us, all right? Now next week, I wanna pick this up with verse 11. We'll take it from verse 11 through the end of the chapter. All right, now here's my question of the week, and I'm done, I've been 50 minutes. Here's my question that we're gonna take up Wednesday night. The question is this, how are you learning to follow and trust the inside voice? How are you learning? All of us are coming down a different road. I'll share with you how I'm learning. I wanna hear from you. How are you learning to follow and trust that inner voice. Fair enough? All right, let me just pray for you real quick. Father, I thank you this morning for every member and attender of the Digital Cathedral. And Father, as I look at at every person's heart this morning, their life, I ask that this word would go deep, that it would manifest, that it would become the word made flesh in their life, and that they would demonstrate it to its absolute fullest extent. Father, have your precious, perfect will in every life in the Digital Cathedral and we look to that time when you bring all things into one in Christ it's in your mighty name we pray amen God bless you see you Wednesday night on the Don Keithley ministry page on Facebook go over and join if you haven't Uh, if you've joined we'll see there's a Wednesday Wednesday night we'll take up this question thank you for your help your support your prayers and thank you for holding in me with me as I do this from my house for a while on Sunday morning. It's still the Digital Cathedral and please feel free to comment as we go through this. We'll see you Wednesday, Wednesday night. God bless you. Have a wonderful first part of the week.